Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 246. It is Thursday, November 12th, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and YouTube was down. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily, but this has a twist. It is the beginning of Season 2. That's right. We've made it one full year, so we're starting Year 2 right now. So wherever you're listening to this, if you could like, comment, share, or review, I promise we'll get to Season 3. And if you're in a HIPAA-compliant business, please go to Facebook and or LinkedIn. Type "get HIPAA search" into the compliant or "get HIPAA compliance" into the search. Not get, yeah, I think you got it. Get HIPAA compliance into the search. Join the group and learn all kinds of HIPAA information. <clears throat> all right, let's jump into it. First of all, thank you for being with me for a year. We've had our ups and downs. Uh, 245 episodes out of 365 days. I think that's pretty good considering we don't record on weekends and major holidays. And uh, we've had hiccups along the way, but we're here. Let's jump into the news. First up on Bleeping Computer, we have a few more updates to add to the Patch Tuesday um, roundup. Intel fixes 95 vulnerabilities in November 2020 platform update. Intel addressed 95 vulnerabilities as part of the November 2020 Patch Tuesday, including critical ones affecting Intel Wireless Bluetooth products and Intel Active Management Technology, AMT for short. The issues were detailed in the 40 security advisors published by Intel on its product security center, with the company having delivered security and functional updates to users through the Intel platform update process. Intel provides a list of all the affected products and recommendations for vulnerable products at the end of each advisory, as well as contact details for those who want to report other security issues or vulnerabilities found found in Intel-branded products or technology. Here are some of the highlights. Of note, among security updates issued on Tuesday, Intel addressed a critical vulnerability with a CVSS score of 9.4, which is on a scale of uh, 1 through 10, in the Intel Active Management Technology and Intel Standard Manageability, ISM for short. Products. The flaw tracked to CVE 2020-8752 is out of bounds right in the IPv6 subsystem of Intel AMT and ISM versions prior to 11.8.80, 11.12.80, that enables remote unauthenticated to escalate privileges. Successful exploitation requires vulnerable products to be configured with IPv6, which is not a default configuration according to Intel. A second critical security flaw, CVE 2020-12321, rated with a CVSS severity base score of 9.6, so a little more serious, and affecting some Intel wireless Bluetooth products, was also addressed in the, in the Intel November 2020 platform update. The bug is in proper buffer restriction and wireless Bluetooth products before version 21.110 that enables unauthorized escalation of privilege via adjacent access, so local area network only. So that sounds a little more dangerous in my opinion. Uh, then there are some microcode updates. Uh, a 
patch for new platypus side channel attacks. I think we talked about platypus not too long ago. And um, some other updates for Intel as well. So in total, there were more than 80 updates. Oh, I'm sorry, 95 updates. And not to be outdone, Samsung has started rolling out Android's November security update to mobile devices to patch critical security vulnerabilities in the operating system and enhance overall features on the devices. This comes after Android had published their November 2020 security bulletins, which include patches for critical vulnerabilities impacting the latest devices. As observed by Bleepy Computers, Samsung Galaxy devices are automatically pulling updates released on November 9th, 2020 this week. These updates include numerous improvements related to Wi-Fi connectivity camera app along with some pretty significant security fixes. So while features are cool on this podcast, we're more concerned with security. It is called the Proactive IT Cybersecurity. So there's a high severity vulnerability, CVE 2020-0409, lurking in the Android runtime itself, arising from an overflow which has been fixed by this update. The issue could have let a locally running app bypass user interaction requirements and illicitly gain additional permissions. The fix commit um, fixes or patches CVE 2020-0409. Meanwhile, one of the most critical vulnerabilities, CVE 2020-0451, is an overflow in the media framework component and allows for both remote code execution and information disclosure. The most severe vulnerability in the media framework section could enable a remote attacker using a specially crafted file to execute arbitrary code within the context of privileged process, explains the Android November 2020 security bulletin. And there are some bugs that are still exploitable, were some other patches that were, f- or other issues that were fixed as well, some features. Um, but if you are on the Samsung and you get an update notification, you should patch. On threat post, Ragnar Locker ransomware gang takes out Facebook ads and key new tactic. Following a November 3rd ransomware attack against Count Perry, Ragnar Locker group took out public Facebook ads threatening to release stolen data. That's a, that is an interesting tactic. The Ragnar Locker ransomware group has decided to ratchet up the pressure on its latest high-profile victim, Italian liqueur conglomerate Campari, by taking out Facebook ads threatening to release the 2 terabytes of sensitive data it stole in a November 3rd attack unless a $15 million ransom is paid in Bitcoin. Compare Group, which is behind a bevy of global brands including SKYY or or Sky, Grand Manier, and Wild Turkey has acknowledged the ransomware attack. This is a new spin on a double extortion ransomware tactic, and I I will say it's an interesting tactic, where criminals not only lock organizations out of their systems, but also threaten to release sensitive stolen data to the public if the demands are not met. The Facebook ads pile on an entirely new layer of extortion pressure, letting the public know that compare data is compromised and that the liquor giant is refusing to pay to keep it secure. The ads first spotted by researcher Brian Krebs on November 9th were to the point an entitled security breach at Compare Group Network. Ragnar Locker bought the ads using a hacked Facebook account, which Krebs said were subsequently shown to more than 7,000 users before Facebook caught on and pulled them down. So that is... Uh, double whammy there somebody's Facebook account was hacked and they ran ads on it and you know if that's not a case for multi-factor authentication which is you know has been available on Facebook for some time then I don't know what is and um, 
at the same time run ads to say pay up or else and because we're going to tell all your people what to expect then um you know it's pretty sad pretty sad state of affairs but uh, that's an interesting tactic i give them credit for creativity on bleep a computer alleged source code of cobalt strike toolkit shared online this is also very interesting the source code for the widely used cobalt strike post exploitation toolkit has allegedly been leaked online in github repository cobalt strike is a legitimate penetration penetration testing toolkit that allows attackers to deploy beacons on compromised devices to remotely create shells, execute PowerShell scripts, perform privilege escalation, or spawn a new session to create a listener on the victim system. Cobalt Strike is an immensely popular tool among threat actors who use cracked versions to gain persistent remote access to compromised networks. This tool is commonly seen used during ransomware attacks. Twelve days ago, a repository was created on GitHub that contains what appears to be the source code for Cobalt Strike 4.0. Based on the source slash main slash resources slash about.html file, this source code is for Cobalt Strike 4.0, released on December 5th, 2019. As you can see, as can be seen from the source code, the license check for Cobalt Strike has been commented out which essentially cracks the program for anyone who decides to compile it. Advanced Intel's Vitaly Kremez, who examined the source code, told Bleepy Computer that he believes the Java code was manually decompiled. The person then fixed in any dependencies and removed the license check so that it could be compiled. Since being posted, the repository has been forked 172 times, making it hard to contain the spread of the source code. Even though it is not original source code, it is enough to be of serious concern to security professionals. The possible recompiled source code exposure of the 2019 Cobalt Strike 4.0 version has significant consequences for all defenders as it removes barriers of entry to obtaining the tool and essentially makes it easy for crime groups to procure and modify code as needed on the fly. The leak of the offensive tool opens the door for additional crime actor enhancement of the tooling as it happens with many malware tool leaks such as for Zeus 2.0.8.9 leak and tiny nuke one as they continuously reused and updated by the crime wave groups and live their own life after the leak kremes told bleepy computer in a conversation bleepy computer has contacted cobalt strike and their parent company help systems to confirm the source code's authenticity but has not heard back so that could be uh I mean, ransomware gangs are already using cobalt strike obviously they're not paying for it they're using cracked versions of it um but they're already using it uh, because it is a highly effective tool um, it's not meant to be used in that manner but it works for them so they're using it and this is going to make it even more challenging now um, bleepy computer microsoft now lets you run multiple android apps in windows 10 microsoft has announced today that windows 10 customers with devices running the latest insider build can launch and interact with multiple android apps directly on the computer's desktop Support for streaming and using Android apps on Windows 10 from supported Samsung's devices announced by Microsoft in August. Today, three months after the feature's initial announcement, the Windows Insider team announced that it added support for running several Android apps at a time on a Windows 10 PC. You can experience the power and convenience of running multiple Android mobile apps side-by-side on your Windows 10 PC on, su on supported Samsung devices, Microsoft says. Apps will launch in separate windows, enabling you to interact with multiple apps at the same time, even if your phone app is not open. The multi-apps your phone feature 
has started to roll out on November 5th to all supported Samsung Galaxy phones with a link to Windows LTW integration running Android 10. Samsung devices running Android 11, including Galaxy S20 5G, Galaxy S20 Plus 5G, and S20 Ultra 5G are also compatible if they have LTW integration and are also enrolled in the Samsung One UI 3.0 beta program. Running multiple Android apps side by side is available in the latest version of your phone app on any computer running Windows 10 Insider Preview Build 20257. So that's interesting. Um, I don't have a Samsung to test that with, so uh, I'll just wait for others to provide feedback. And you probably heard already, but I will share. Anyway, YouTube went down around the world, but as of this recording, which is almost 10 o'clock at night, Eastern, it does appear like it is working again. I received multiple text messages and phone calls asking about why YouTube is not working and quickly learned it was because of an outage. YouTube has recovered from a seemingly world, this is on the verge, YouTube has recover, recovered from a seemingly worldwide outage that prevented videos from loading for roughly an hour during the outage. Many Verge staffers were unable to watch videos and YouTube confirmed at 7.23 p.m. Eastern that something was going on. The issue appeared to affect other services that use YouTube infrastructure too, including YouTube TV and the movies and TV shows you'd purchase from Google TV, formerly known as Google Play Movies and TV. We couldn't load them. Earlier in the outage, the YouTube website itself seemed to load just fine, but videos themselves would continuously show the loading wheel. One Verge staffer got a video to load after about a minute. As of about 8 p.m. Eastern, though, we saw, saw, we saw error screens like this, and they were saying, an error occurred, please try again later, playback ID, and then some random characters. Um, and that was what people texting and calling me were reporting. It looks like around 8.30 Eastern, things started to return to normal. So um, I looked for a YouTube status page and was not able to find one. I will continue to look for one. I don't know if there is one or not. Um, I checked the Google status page and I didn't see anything for YouTube. But then again, I was checking from my phone at the time. So who knows? And we do have two more HIPAA breaches to report. Timberline Billing Service LLC at Des Moines Iowa-based Medicaid billing company has suffered a ransomware attack that resulted in the encryption of and theft of data. An investigation into the attack revealed an unknown individual gained access to a system between February 12th and March 4th, so that's a, like a three-week period, and deployed ransomware prior to the encryption of files. Some information was exfiltrated from its system, so we have a, a few failures already. First of all, somebody was on the network for three weeks and you didn't know. 60 days, breach notification, didn't happen. Um, so a few failures. Timberline's clients include around 190 schools in Iowa school districts in the state that have been impacted by the breach and have now been notified. It is currently unclear exactly how many schools were affected and if the breach was limited to schools in Iowa. Timberline also has offices in Kansas and Illinois. The types of data potentially obtained by the attacker include names, dates of birth, Medicaid ID numbers, and billing information. A limited number of social security numbers were also potentially compromised. While data theft occurred, no reports have been received to indicate any data has been misused. The breach has been reported to DHS, not DHS, HHS OCR, as affecting 116,131 individuals. 
and University of California, San Francisco, UCSF, has suffered a cyber attack in which personal and health information held by the UCSF School of Medicine has potentially been compromised. The cyber attack was detected on June 1st. Again, no 60-day breach notification here. and involved a limited part of the School of Medicine's IT systems. No further information on the exact nature of the attack has been released. A leading cybersecurity consultant was retained to assist with the investigation and determine records related to current and former UCSF employees. Students, collaborators, and research participants may have been compromised. Those records contained names, government ID numbers, social security numbers, medical information, health insurance information, and some financial information. UCSF says it is unaware of any misuse, misuse of personal information. UCSF has been working with third-party cybersecurity consultants to reinforce its IT security defenses to prevent further breaches in the future. A little too little too late. I would think UCSF would be on top of their stuff, but apparently not. That is going to do it for the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily, the start of Season 2. Make sure you come back tomorrow, and until then, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.